0: from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good Podcast.
1: Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley. We're broadcasting here in Alexandria, Virginia, from National Headquarters of the Salvation Army. We hope you're having a super fantastic day. Here with me is my partner in arms, my compadre with word and pen, Paper and ink, our war cry editorial director, Mr. Jeff McDonald. Hello, Hello sir.
2: Colonel Foley. How are you today?
1: I am, well, super fantastic. Yes, I'm here. I get we're to here. Have, we're here. We're alive, and it's a great new day, and the Lord is good. Today's podcast is very special for us. We are speaking with New York Times best selling author. Dr. Gary Chapman, about his new book, Five Simple Ways to Strengthen Your Marriage When You're Stuck at Home Together. I love that title. Dr. Chapman, welcome to the Fight for Good podcast.
0: Well, thank you, Tim. Good to be with
1: you guys. You are no stranger uh, to us, as we've uh, we've recorded you earlier this year on a, on a Fight for Good podcast. And, of course, those of us in the Salvation Army are well aware of the great work that you've done uh, over the years with numerous books to uh, support people. Uh, so thank you for all that you've done, and, and uh, we hope you're doing well during this, all of this uh, interesting days.
0: Well, we are doing well. I tell people, uh, my wife Carolyn cooks. I wash the dishes. Everything's fine.
2: <laughs> I don't I wash a, them very well, though. That's the problem <laughs> for me. A, I do the washing,
0: but here's the big I'll question: there's residue.
1: The big question is, do you eat what she's cooking?
0: Do I eat- do, and I never complain. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that years ago. You don't complain. You yeah. just eat it. So <laughs> no, she's a good cook. And I'm a good dishwasher. Well, you, you
1: took time to write something very uh, appropriate to help people, especially in marriages. Um, uh, during during the COVID crisis, we kept hearing all kinds of different things, you know, the the stressors that were going to be placed on marriages and divorce rates were going to skyrocket, all that kind of stuff. What was uh, the purpose for you in, in uh, laying this book out? for folks to read?
0: Well, I just saw this time as being obviously super, super different, and it kind of changes the whole playing field for couples. And I knew that a lot of couples were struggling with that because, uh, you know, they were in a routine, and the routine is uh, just, just shifted, you know. And so I just wanted to try to give some practical ideas on how couples could use this time in a positive way. And I was fully aware that there were many couples who were coming into this uh, pandemic time uh, already with a fractured relationship. That is, they weren't doing really well beforehand. And so this just kind of heightened everything and brought things out of them that really they had kind of learned how to be civil to each other. And the pressure and the stress was causing them to say and do things that were very destructive. But then, you know, I knew there were also other couples that had really a fairly good marriage. You know, they had read my book on the love languages and they were loving each other. And, and I thought that they're going to be OK, but it can still be enhanced because marriages are either growing or regressing. They don't ever stand still. So I was just trying to do something practical to help couples grow during this time. What are,
1: what are some of the, the trends that have come out of this COVID um... Experience that you're seeing are the predictors true? Are our marriages shattering, or do you see a strengthening occurring?
0: Well, you know, since I'm not seeing couples in my office now on a regular basis, I don't have you know the feedback that I would have normally. Uh, but I, I think it I think it really depends on again what the couple does during this time. Uh, couples who will take some action and try to do things differently. Uh, uh, can have a healing time for their marriage. In fact, I've said to couples, and one of the things I say in this book, uh, look, if your marriage was already uh, you know, rather fractured and uh, now you're together and you find yourself seeing the worst in each other and often expressing those words, why don't you just call a truce on throwing verbal bombs at each other? Because that's what happens in a troubled marriage because the other, each of them thinks the other person's the problem. And so they'll throw verbal bombs at each other. In fact, I had a lady just last week on the phone. She said to me, my husband told me that I was lazy because I didn't put the, trash, the plastic bag back in the trash can when I took the trash out. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with this guy? She took the trash out, you know. <laughs> but it's those kind of things. When you throw a bomb like that, it explodes in the heart of the other person. I mean, this lady was just, you know, she was mortified. Why would he say that, you know? Uh, So I'm saying maybe for those kind of couples, the place to start is just maybe sign a truce and just say, honey, you know, here we are at home. We don't know how long this is going on. Why don't we sign a truce not to throw any more bombs at each other? And at least that creates a better atmosphere, you know? And then if you can say the next week, do that for a week and then say, what about next week? And now that we're not throwing bombs, what if we try to give a compliment to each other every other day this week? Yeah, just something, a compliment. So you're replacing a criticism with compliments. And you start doing that and you create a very positive atmosphere you know, between the between the two of you. So yeah, yeah it's, you have to start where you are. And I know there are couples that are already in a combat mode. And I'm just trying to say, let's sign a truce and not throw bombs and maybe in a week or two we can actually sign a peace treaty. Whoa. <laughs> and be moving in a positive direction. You give some really good practical steps,
1: uh, with the throwing of verbal bombs or truce, the truce in your first chapter, uh, which, uh, which I really appreciate. I'm kind of a pragmatic kind of guy. I like the, so what, yep. and, uh, boy, this is, this is really, really good stuff. Jeff, what are your thoughts? of? uh, what are some of the questions you have for Dr. Chapman?
2: Well, I mean, I have such deep respect for Dr. Chapman. He has um, influenced so many couples through his career. So I do appreciate him uh, applying um, all you know, of, your, of his knowledge to this current situation. Uh, we know that loneliness itself is kind of at epidemic proportions in our society, which is strange. Um, Given technology and connectivity and all that. But so, this this period is certainly um, highlighting that loneliness for some. Um, So, but also in your book, you point out how couples can seize the opportunity in this unique time to build up their life together. Talking to Deborah uh, Gordon the other day about her book, Embracing Uncomfortable, she stresses, like you do in your book, how emotions can rule. That we can often just react to things emotionally, but she's calling us to be more intentional. Are you seeing that as a, an important first step, Doctor?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, all of us have different thoughts and we have different emotions. We are emotional creatures. And I think it's a reflection of the nature of God because God is an, has emotions. In fact, the Bible says about God, God is angry every day with the wicked. <laughs> oh, man. You know, so, yeah, but I I think uh, often we in our culture, we've exalted emotions and uh, we say, you know, I got to be true to my feelings. Well, no, you don't have to follow your feelings. We have negative feelings. We have positive feelings and and they're determined by the circumstances around us. Uh, But you can you can love your spouse and choose to love your spouse, even if you have negative feelings toward them. I mean, after all, God loved us when we were dirty rotten sinners, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the scriptures say the love of God is poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We have outside help. Uh so I was talking with one lady some time ago and I was encouraging her to give her husband some positive, you know, comments and uh compliments, and she said, Well, Doc Chapman, I'd love to do that. She said, But to be honest with you, I can't think of anything good to say about the man. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Well, uh does he ever take a shower? And she said, well, yes. I said, well, how often? She said, every day. And I said, well, if I were you, I'd start there. Said, I appreciate you taking a shower. Yeah. yeah, I said, listen, there are men who don't. I've never met a man and never met a woman. You couldn't find something good to say about them. Yeah. Well, I and guess you, trying- could, you
1: could add, did, does he put the trash bag back in the
0: <laughs> trash can? Does he, he
2: always do it that way?
0: <laughs> but the thing is, if you if you give comments or you speak the other person's love language, even if you have negative feelings and you do it consistently over a long period of time, something happens inside that person because you're touching them at a very deep emotional level when you're speaking their love language. And when they feel that you sincerely love them, you know, they are far more likely to reciprocate. It's just like, you know, the Bible says we love God because God first loved us. You know, we, re- we just responded to his love. And the same principle works in human relationships. If one person in the marriage takes the initiative to, with God's help, speak the other person's love language consistently for six months, I can't guarantee you that they're going to reciprocate, but I can tell you there's a pretty good chance they will because love stimulates love.
2: You know, I, ideally, you point out in your book couples would say to each other, My life is an open book. But often the hurt runs so deep, the misunderstandings so numerous, that one or both dig in their heels and refuse to change because they think it is undeserved. What can uh, one do in those situations?
0: Well, let's face it. It may well be undeserved, but that's what grace is all about. (laughs) You know, we're we're following the example of God. We didn't deserve what he did for us and what Christ did for us on the cross. It's undeserved. And so you have a spouse. It doesn't deserve to be loved, but you're God's agent. So let God pour his love into your hearts. You be his agent for expressing love to your spouse and if you do it in a meaningful way, which is where the love language helps, you do it in a meaningful way. Uh, as I said, you're going to stimulate something inside of them and you're going to feel better about yourself. Anytime you extend grace to your spouse, you feel good about yourself because you're doing a godly thing.
2: I think it's very helpful in your book that you have you know questions and that couples can do at the end of each chapter together. Uh, in a constructive way. Um, you know, you point out um, in many of your writings that our, our basic need, and by the way, reading and talking to you and reading your works over and over again, it, it does sink in after a while. You know, you do sure, get sure. the fun, love languages. <laughs> you can understand it. We have some, something of an obdurate heart sometimes. But you point out our basic need is to be loved and appreciated. That seems so simple and sincere. Why do we have such trouble making this a priority?
0: Well, I think because by nature, we're all self-centered. And uh, if we have a disagreement in a marriage, uh, each of us thinks the other person is really the problem. And so here's what I say again. If, If the marriage is troubled, maybe the place to start would be for you to sit down with God and say to God, Lord, you know my marriage and you know my spouse. But I know that I'm not perfect. So what I want to know is where am I failing in my marriage? What have I done wrong through the years? That's a prayer God will answer. You get your pencil ready and start writing them down. He'll answer that prayer. Then you ask God to forgive you and he always will forgive you. Then you go to your spouse and say, honey, I've been thinking about us, you know, since we've been here together in the house. and I know we've had a rough journey. And I know that I have blamed you uh, so many times. But I've asked God to show me where I've been failing you. And he gave me a pretty good list. And if you've got a minute, I'd like to share these with you. And I'd just like to ask if you can forgive me for all these failures. Wow. I can't tell you they'll forgive you automatically. But I can tell you this. They're going to walk away and they're going to think, wow, this is different. All I've heard for years is criticism. Now they're apologizing to me. Wow, this is different. God can use your action to touch their heart. And maybe in a week, they'll come back and say to you, honey, I'm the one that needs to apologize. Wow, now you're going to tear the wall down. Now you're going to be able to do something really good, and really positive. But see, one of you has to start it. And by nature, we don't want to start it because we, we, in our mind, we know that they're the problem. If they would change, things would be fine. Well, maybe you're only 5% of the problem. But if you start with your 5%, you are beginning to create a different climate. You're tearing the wall down on your side, and and then we're going to see what God does in their heart.
2: That's one of the titles of the chapters in the book, isn't it, uh... Tearing in the walls. You write in the book, everything that has ever happened to us is stored in the human brain. And sometimes even after we have forgiven, the memory comes back to mind. What do we do with those, these memories and emotions?
0: Yeah, I think it's important to realize this because, you know, there's an old saying that says, if you haven't forgotten, you haven't forgiven. And that's not true. Uh, just as you said, uh, these things are stored in the brain. And even if your spouse apologizes, and even if you choose to forgive them, and forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling, it's a choice to remove the barrier. Even if you do that, that memory will come back. And when the memory comes back, the emotions often come back, the hurt, sometimes the anger, uh, the emotions come back. I think you take those to God and you say to God, you know what I'm remembering today and you know what I'm feeling again. But I thank you that I've forgiven that. Now help me to do something good today. And you move out to do something good today. You don't allow the memory and the emotions to control your behavior. You acknowledge them. You don't hide them. You acknowledge what you're thinking and what you're feeling. But you don't allow that to control your behavior. You go out and do something positive toward your spouse and you continue on a growth pattern.
1: There's, uh, there's very few things in, in life I feel like that I can control, um, probably just down to one or two things. And, and one of them is kind of related to a question we want to ask here is is the attitude. I feel like I, I can control my attitude towards people, situations, and things like that. But what, what role does our attitude play in practicing and living out the love languages that you have uh, shared with us over time?
0: I think attitude plays a huge role. You know, we do not control our emotions. Emotions just grab us. And emotions are our emotional response to our circumstance. If there's something positive that happens, we have positive feelings. If there's something that uh, hurtful happens, we have negative feelings. We don't control our emotions. We don't choose them and we we don't control them. But we do control our attitude, and our attitude is our fixed way of thinking. And there's fundamentally two attitudes, I mean two extremes. One is an attitude of love, and one is the attitude of selfishness. Selfishness is that the basic attitude is we approach all of life, what am I getting out of this? And that's when people say, I'm just not happy in this marriage. You're just not making me happy. Their attitude is self-centered. It's selfishness. Love is the attitude which says, I'm in the world to bless the lives of other people. And I'm in this marriage with an attitude of helping my spouse become the person that they believe God wants them to be. And that attitude of love is looking for opportunities to reach out and help that other person. The attitude of selfishness is often demanding of that other person, just like the guy who was complaining about the trash, the trash bag. That's selfishness, pure selfishness. You know, she didn't do what he thought she ought to do. Man, we all, by nature, are selfish. The human nature is selfish, uh, but we choose either to be controlled by the old sinful nature, or we control uh, to be controlled by the spirit of God, which is a spirit and attitude of love.
1: One of the things that we found out very quickly with uh, entering into the sh- uh, sheltering at home was uh, how our our daily routines were uh, interrupted. And, and you address that in the book. I mean, some people might have lost their job. Uh, I, you know, the routine of taking care of the kids changed from making lunch and getting them to school to now being, you know, being... Um you know, uh, homeschooled teachers or what whatnot, but how your last chapter you kind of you emphasize like a routine, a routine of love, a routine of just sitting down and and really listening to to one another in the marriage. how does that all how does that all kind of work? How do you envision that
0: well what I what I call this is a let's have a daily sit down and listen time. You know, normally we say, let's sit down and talk, which means (laughs) I got some things on my mind I want to tell you. (laughs) And I say, no, 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 no. Let's call it a sit down and listen time, which means if you want, whatever you want to say, I want to listen. And we both have that attitude. We're here to listen. And so uh, you give the other person a chance. Honey, what, what have you been thinking today? And what have you been feeling today? And people say, well, we've been together all day. I know what they've done all day. I know you know what they've done but you don't know what they've been thinking and you don't know how they've been feeling. So why don't you say, honey, listen, tell me some of the thoughts you've had today and and tell me some of the things you've been feeling. And when they're talking, you're listening. You're not sitting there, you know, wondering how am I going to respond? No, no, no. You're, you're the listener. And so I'm listening to you trying to understand what your thoughts have been today, what your feelings have been today. And I listen long enough that I can honestly say, you know, honey, I can see how you'd feel that way. You know, that makes sense. And then you get to share your thoughts and your feelings and they listen to you and they share with you an an, an affirmation of your thoughts and feelings. This builds emotional uh, bonding between the two of you. We can be in the same house and still not feel bonded because you know you're doing something I'm doing something you know the kids are doing something if we got kids uh, and and we we're in the same space but we're not connected this sit down and listen time every day it doesn't have to be long it can be 15 or 20 minutes but just some time to sit down and listen to each other keeps us emotionally connected to each other and if you have conflicts which all of us do at some time then in the conflict situation you just say well, honey <clears throat> Let's sit down here and listen to each other. Tell me your side and let them share their perspective and what they what they think is what we ought to do. And, and you listen long enough that you can say, okay, I can see that. I can understand that. Now, you share your perspective. Now, we say to each other, okay, we disagree. How can we solve the problem? And you spend your energy solving the problem rather than spending your energy trying to win an argument. I've sometimes said this, If you win an argument with your spouse, they lost. It's no fun to live with a loser. (laughs) So why would you create one? You know, people destroy their marriages by arguing. We build marriages by listening to each other's perspective and trying to understand each other and affirming each other. It doesn't mean we agree with each other, but we affirm their thoughts and their feelings. I can see how you would feel that way, and I can see how you could think that it makes sense. And we focus on solving the problem. Yeah, that, that daily sit down and sharing time. And I say with a with a conflict, maybe just do it once a week. Don't talk about conflicts every day, but maybe once a week. Just pick a conflict and then have that sit down and listen time and solve the conflict.
2: Hmm. Yeah, um, I was just going to point out the, the people that the Salvation Army reaches out to um, are often they've lost so much during this time, economically, socially, um, Uh, They're, they're, they're frustrated, you know, they don't know where, what tomorrow looks like for them. You point out in your book that it's a lot easier to confront the world when a couple is, you know, in sync and working as a team. So I have really two questions. First, how can people find out what their love language is and what is the secret for a couple to work as a team?
0: Yeah. Well, I think the love language, uh, there's three simple things you can, uh, questions you can ask uh, about yourself or the other person. Uh, One is, how do you just naturally respond to other people? If you're a person who's always giving other people words of affirmation, encouraging words, that's probably your love language because we tend to speak our own language. Uh, And what does your spouse typically do? Are they always giving people pats on the back or high fives? Maybe maybe a physical touch is their language. So that's one question. Second question is, what do I complain about? Or what do they complain about? Because the complaint reveals the love language. If a wife is saying to a husband, I just feel like we don't spend any time together even though we're living in the same house. She's telling him her love language is quality time. We don't spend any time together. Uh, She's complaining about it. If he says, I don't think you would ever touch me if I didn't initiate it, He's telling her his love language is physical touch. So, uh, yeah, that's. And the third question is, what do I I request most often? Or what do they request most often? If your spouse is saying rather regularly, honey, can we take a walk after dinner? They're asking you for quality time. They just want to be with you, you know, or or if they're saying, honey, you know, you know, that gift you you were thinking about getting me. This would be a good time to get it. (laughs) They're actually asking you for gifts. So those three things, of course, they could go online also uh, if they if they are able to go online. And at fivelovelanguages.com, there's a free quiz that you can take. In fact, over 40 million people have taken that quiz. Uh, there's one for married couples. There's one for children. There's one for teenagers. There's one for single adults. And uh, it will also help you discover your primary love language. Now, on the teamwork, the second question you had, mm-hmm. teamwork. Marriage is a team, a team of two. Okay, and uh, we don't play the same role just as on an athletic team. uh, The guys and gals don't play the same role, but they have the same objective. We want to win. And so in a marriage, our objective is we want to win. We want to both be winners. And for Christians, that's what we want to accomplish. God's plans for our lives together. So we're a team. Uh, But as uh, as you mentioned earlier, Tim, Uh, The playing field has been changed with with the pandemic and being at home. Uh, Maybe she got up early on a regular pattern. She got up early and fixed breakfast uh, for the family. And then she went off to work. And then he helped the kids get ready for school. And he dropped them off at school. And that was a good plan. You know, they're working as a team. But now the kids aren't going to school, you know. And uh, she is not a morning person. She was really pushing herself to do that. And so she's thinking, I, I'm going to sleep in a little later. And he's in the kitchen and he said, where is the, where, where, where is she? She getting here and fix, fix breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> he is a morning person. She's not. Maybe this is the time for him to say, you know, honey, let me get breakfast. You just sleep a little later. Let me get breakfast now. And uh, I don't have to take the kids to school. I got time. And, and so we changed our role. And so during this time, Uh, Things have changed. The playing field has changed and and we'll have to change roles. You know, who who can, and the question is who can do what, you know, and some of us are better equipped than others. Uh, For example, I'm not equipped to cook. I told my wife, I said, "Honey, if you if I didn't have you, I guess I'd go to the cafeteria three 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 times a day. You know, I can't cook anything. I mean, poor me. You know. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. she likes to cook. Well, okay, so that's her part on the team, and my part is dishes. You know, I love the I love cleaning pots and pans. It's a great accomplishment. So, in this time, we have to kind of switch roles and find you. Maybe you know we can." But the whole thing is, we're going to complement each other. We want to use our strengths to uh, to have a have a good team, so we can be we can have a winning situation out of this.
1: Here in Northern Virginia, we're about ready to enter into at the time of this recording, phase two of um, re, you know kind of getting back into uh, life. Here, do you have any suggestions for our listeners? As you know, how 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 to carry this forward, what the principles in this book as life returns to the quote unquote new normal?
0: Well, I do think that uh, the concepts I'm sharing in this book, these five simple ideas uh, can apply when we're not in a pandemic. That is, you know, not throwing verbal bombs at each other. We don't have to do that the rest of our life. We can just stop doing that and we can start giving compliments, you know. Uh, And I think the whole love language thing I mean, that's good, whether you're in a pandemic or not, because we need to feel loved and uh, dealing with our failures by apologizing and forgiving each other. Uh, we're going to need to do this the rest of our lifetime. And the whole thing of teamwork, you know, we're in this other team and have that team concept uh, and then having these daily sit down times, uh, sit down and listen times. I mean, these these are ideas that people. Uh, Right now, when we are at home together, will help us make the most of this time. But their principles and, and practical ideas that can serve us for a lifetime when things do get back to somewhat normal.
2: Yeah, you, and you've certainly given us a blueprint in your work that people can follow. You know, you do pretty well lay it out in very practical ways. We thank you for that. I guess when you think about it, the diversity of the world, the population that no, do people are alike, Um, has to give us some inclination of what God is all about in having us kind of uh, bring together our differences and bring out about reconciliation so that we better reflect his glory. There's a certainly a a dialectic of the spirit there. Don't you think?
0: I absolutely do. You know, I think all of us uh, have felt a lot of pain and hurt in what we've observed happening in our country in the last uh, couple of weeks here. And, uh, you know we're agents of love as Christians. At least we're supposed to be agents of love. And uh, you know I don't care what anybody's done. We love people. God loves people, and so we we need to be agents of love. A lot of misunderstanding. A lot of hurt. Uh, you know this whole thing of listening. If we could listen to each other, you know, across racial lines, cultural lines, ethnic lines, and build relationships with each other, uh, and it's relationships that give us this sense of understanding each other and, and then working together as a team, uh, because we're, we're not enemies, or at least we shouldn't be enemies, but we should be working as a team in our nation. And and as, as Christians, uh, we should be taking the lead in that, of reaching out and listening to the hurt of other people and asking, how can we help? What can we do that would make things better? Uh, that That's what we want.
1: Well, Dr. Chapman, we really thank you once again for spending a little bit of time on our Fight for Good podcast. Thank you for your support of the Salvation Army. I know our listeners are uh, encouraged by your words today, and we would highly recommend um, our listeners and readers uh, to give uh, this, this very, very wonderful book, which it's only 75 pages. It's a really quick read. Uh, which is important in this day and age but it's called five simple ways to strengthen your marriage when you're stuck at home together and uh, we we once again just thank you for joining us today
0: Well you're welcome Tim they could go to fivelovelanguages.com and they can read all about the book and my other books as well Good to be with you guys keep up the good work I appreciate what you're doing Thank you thank you again Well that's going to end this
1: episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to follow The War Cry at www.thewarcry.org and our teen magazine, peermag.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And thank you for your support. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. God bless you. Stay safe, healthy, happy, and holy. Take care.
0: subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.